0: Welcome to the South of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host, Adam Corsair.
1: You know, I don't know who asked for injuries for Christmas, but whoever it is, you are on my list. Welcome to the South of the Six podcast. We are part of the stadium scene TV network, part of the overtime media crew, and we are coming to you live from the Vivid Seats studios. So, this is a familiar theme. We have now three notable absences due to injuries on the Toronto Raptors squad, but they still were able to pull out a victory against the Washington Wizards. Now, we're going to talk all things Toronto Raptors today on a special holiday edition of the South of the Six podcast. And, do, and joining me to do so is Richard Burfer, of co hosts of the official podcast of ballandroll.com, the pick and pod. Richard King, how you doing, man?
0: I'm doing good, man. I, I kind of really like this uh, intro music to Christmas. It's uh, is really nice. I'm digging it.
1: It's got a nice feel to it, right? Nice holiday feel.
0: Yeah, you just forget that all the Raptors are dying listening to this music.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, those injuries were pretty catastrophic. They were pretty deadly. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think anybody can debate that they were very untimely, but here we are, man. We have to deal with this all over again.
0: Oh yeah. And it sucks because every time the Raptors have an injury, you just now know that two other guys are gonna get injured the exact same game. <laughs> it's kind of the trend. If one gets injured, then we're about to lose like five more in the same game.
1: Yeah, I know. It it's it's rough, um, especially seeing Norman Powell like kind of explode the way he did and Marcus all like we are pretty much shitting on him the entire way in the beginning of the season mm-hmm. and now he started to fall back into a groove. This is just really, really bad timing.
0: Oh, yeah. Especially with uh, Norman Powell because he's suffering the exact same injury he had last year. Oh, yeah. And he was our Kobe Bryant the past like couple of weeks. It sucks. Like, you feel bad for the guy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he was the one that was uh, saving the team against, you know, like... Stiff competition and making the Raptors look, you know, better than they probably Mm -hmm. were performing. And he was now he's gone. Well, I I don't know how long the absence is going to be, but hopefully it's short.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it was a a similar injury last year, and he he uh, missed twenty one games. So I'm I'm just going to assume it's something similar.
1: Right. Right. Well, look, uh, seeing as though this is the holiday edition of the South of the Six podcast, do you have any big plans coming up this week?
0: Um honestly not too big. I'm I'm seeing my girlfriend. We're gonna go down to the Christmas market. Um nothing nothing too crazy, but I I love Christmas. I'm I'm a good Jewish boy who loves Christmas.
1: There you go. There you go. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um we uh it's Christmas Eve. I don't know about you, man, but Mm -hmm. Christmas Eve is where it's at for me. I love Christmas Eve more than Christmas. Because I think like once Christmas hits it's over like it's over in like five minutes or 10 minutes like yeah. it's done and then you're like oh this is what you waited for for five ten minutes whereas christmas eve yeah. you had that anticipation i go out with uh my wife's side of the family we go to a chinese restaurant and just get shitty off scorpion bowls and oh awesome. that's awesome yeah
0: yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go one step further for me it's just all the days leading up to christmas are the best <laughs> just going through the mall hearing all the christmas music, seeing all the christmas buzz, all the snow and then christmas happens and it's like okay now it's over after this, you know. It's done.
1: Yeah, it's done. And then mm-hmm. like, you know, the 26th, this is the way I look at it. And I know you living in Toronto, like you guys kind of get it worse than I do down here in New England, but mm-hmm. snow after December 25th is absolutely pointless and it's just the worst.
0: Oh yeah. The winter should be done after christmas. Yeah. It's kind of like I compare it to the Raptors' playoff run last year. Like, there's so much excitement, so much buzz, like leading up all the way through the finals. And then the Raptors won the championship, and you wake up the next day and you're just like, now what? Yeah. What's the meaning of life now? It's (laughs) over. And all you
1: have is just a bunch of bags of trash, of wrapping paper, and leftovers that you're not sure you want to eat. That's basically what the 26 on is. Yeah. Exactly. Terrible. All right. Well, um,. We should set the landscape here. First of all, the Raptors are sitting in fourth place currently at 20 and eight. I should note that we are recording this Saturday afternoon. Um, If you are listening to the show for the first time, welcome. Welcome to the holiday edition of the South to Six podcast. Um, I highly encourage you to subscribe to the show if you haven't already. And if you also haven't already, rate and give us a review. Give us five stars. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us out a bunch in our endeavors to connect with more Raptors fans. Uh, Blow up the Reddit boards. Blow up any um, sort of community that you are a part of when it comes to the Toronto Raptors. Um, and also, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we are coming to you live from the Vivid Seats studios. Look, the Raptors play their first Christmas Day game in Toronto this Wednesday on Christmas. And we want to help you to get in on the action. And it's simple. All you got to do is download the Vivid Seats app. We partner with Vivid Seats to give you the best oppor- to opportunity to see your reigning, defending, and undisputed champions live on Christmas. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for the events you want to go to. Look, I know there's other things like uh, other than the Raptors games happening on in the city. If you want to see a theater show, a comedy show, anything, a concert, Vivid Seats has you covered. They made it super easy, man. All you got to do is download the app on your favorite device, whether it's an iPhone, Android, whatever you're using, and search for your event. You can search by price or look up your seats by section, by row, all your choice within the Vivid Seats app. And to make things easier, they have a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back on their Vivid Seats purchases called the Vivid Seats Rewards. So basically, they're giving you money just for spending money on their app. It's like you're getting your tickets at a discount right away, and you're automatically enrolled in this. There's no red tape, no hoops you gotta go through, no surveys, none of that. You're automatically enrolled. And not only that, all your purchases are backed up by 100% buyer guaranteed. So you're not going to get scammed. You're going to get your tickets no matter what or your money back. And here at the South of Six Podcast, we're hooking you up, man. Check it out. First-time customers get up to 100 bucks off their first ticket purchase by using promo code Overtime. That's O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. All one word in the Vivid Seats app. So you want to see the Toronto Raptors this Wednesday, you weren't able to get tickets, head on over to the Vivid Seats app, use promo code Overtime, get a discount, and enjoy Christmas Day with the Toronto Raptors. Raptors. we have a jam-packed show to you for you today we're going to talk all about the injuries we're going to talk all about the christmas day game don't go anywhere we will be right back
0: this is the overtime podcast network
1: all right rich we gotta start with the injuries and i know we touched on it at the beginning of the show but let's get a little bit more in depth and for those of you that have been living under a rock. Let me let me lay this out for you. During Wednesday's game against Detroit, the trio of Marcus Gasol, Norman Powell, and Pascal Siakam all went down with various injuries, a hamstring, a shoulder, and a groin injury, respectively. That being said, the Raptors' death will be tested. Now, Rich, I know they grabbed a victory last night against Washington, but it was clear that a lot of the starters were gassed towards the end of the game. Does this long term trajectory, does the long term trajectory of these injuries concern you for this team moving forward?
0: I mean, just in terms of the loads that these guys are going to have to carry over the next uh, next few games is slightly concerning. Especially because you're going to see Kyle Lowry, who's a little older, playing more minutes. You're going to see Serge playing more minutes. So it is definitely concerning. Um, I'm still curious to see how long it's going to take some of these guys to come back. I feel like Pascal Siakam's injury isn't as serious as the one that Marcus Gasol or Norman Powell is dealing with. So I'm kind of hoping that he gets back relatively quickly because it just seems like a groin stretch. I don't really know what that means, but it doesn't seem as serious. But other than that, there's going to be a lot of minutes for a few, just a few guys, so they're just going to have to power through it. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's uh, You know, I was surprised that Patrick McCaw actually got the start. I know you mentioned... um on Twitter that you thought he was going to get it. I thought it was going to go to Terrence Davis just because I thought, you know, Nick Nurse was encouraged by the performance. But for some reason, Nick Nurse loves Patrick McCaw. And I guess that he proved his worth and, you know, his weight yesterday in yesterday's game. He performed quite well.
0: Mm -hmm. And the thing with Patrick McCaw is obviously he's very limited on offense. But just defensively, the energy he provides how he can defend multiple positions. that He's just nonstop all over. The guy he's supposed to be defending. I can tell why Nick Nurse likes him. I actually thought Malcolm Miller would get the start. Oh, there you go. But with with uh, Fred VanVleet coming back, I guess uh, that didn't need to happen. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think Patrick... If you play Patrick McCall for a ton of time for a big stretch of games, yes, his liabilities are, gonna, are definitely going to show and the Raptors are going to struggle with him on the court. But if you play him in bursts, then... I think the Raptors can make it work. 33 minutes or whatever it was for McCaw, that's a lot. Luckily, he played well, but I don't really trust it over over the long term.
1: No, and this is a guy last night that hit a huge 3 at the, in the fourth quarter to I don't want to say ice the game, but definitely shift the momentum back in the Raptors' favor. Yeah. So that's something that mm-hmm. you can't rely on game in and game out, especially from a guy like Patrick McCall. Although a three-time champion, uh it's not like the championship was, you know, in his hands living or dying by it. Um but you know, moving, know. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe his presence alone, just the the fact that his last name is on a jersey, sort of shifts it to the Raptors' favor. But you know, I it's I just three for three. he is three for three, three in a row. That's true. Um, you know, I just don't know. I don't know if like we're gonna be seeing teams like Boston. We're gonna be seeing teams like uh, Dallas coming up shortly, and you know, I don't know that the Raptors can rely on these guys and rely on these types of performances because. You know, the the aforementioned teams aren't nearly as daunting defensively, or rather, not nearly as limited defensively as the Wizards were, and I think that's why the Raptors were able to take advantage of this matchup last night.
0: Well, just the thing with the Raptors, yes, obviously they have a number of injuries, but no matter who's down and who's playing, the Raptors still play really hard defensively, um, and they play really well as a unit. The chem- you can just see the chemistry on the floor. Like, they still have guys who can come in and step up. like. You hear the next man up mentality a lot in sports, but with the Raptors, you can really tell that these, these guys just know how to play together, and I mean, with Dallas coming up next, um, I believe Luka Doncic is still out, so that's going to kind of benefit the Raptors a little bit because of their injuries, so I think while it's inconvenient that they have so many injuries, I think the Raptors are going to be able to figure it out just because of how, they, how hard and well they play defensively, and how they just have guys who can just hit shots when it matters.
1: We had the, the grace of Fred Van Vliet coming back last night. And my fear was that not that it was forced. Like I think he was, uh, you know, before the game, I wasn't worried about him not being cleared to play, but them playing him, you know, out of necessity. I was just worried that like in an ideal situation, had the other three injuries not happened, he might've gotten a, a little bit more rest. Well, it looks like that he came out slinging. He didn't really miss a beat, although like a lot of the, the fast-break layups that he would normally hit, he was missing on. He missed a couple of free throws here and there. He's 5 for 7 from the line. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like, Does that concern you, that coming off of a knee injury, nonetheless, he he played 33 and a half minutes, or do you think, nah, Freddie's a grinder? Uh, we have nothing to worry about in that
0: aspect. Um, Not really. I think the Raptors wouldn't bring him back if he wasn't ready even with the injuries i don't think the raptors felt pressure that they needed freddie back last night unless he was ready the raptors are they're 20 and eight right now i think they're very confident that when healthy they can beat any team in basketball i think they've proven that a number of times this season already so i think i mean it's only game 30 30 something of the season yeah yeah in the grand scheme of things it's not an kind of, it's not that important of a game for the Raptors. So I think they wouldn't bring Freddie back unless he was ready. And I mean, he hasn't played for a number of games, has to work off his rest. I'm sure he'll be fine moving forward.
1: Sorry, it's game 28 was just played last night against Washington. Yeah.
0: Um, either, either way, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that it's not going to turn to be that important. The Raptors aren't going to be playing for the eighth, eighth seed in the playoffs when, in game like 80 of the season, you know?
1: Yeah, and I think that's the silver lining right here. Like a lot of people are are concerned that these injuries are happening so often, and you know, with with a lot of uh, you know, in in important game stretches, like when you know OG went down and Kyle went down and Surge went down previously, it was during the West Coast swing, and the Raptors were able to more than keep their head above water. Well, this time, like they're about to face like good competition in the East, as well as that you know Western Conference team in Dallas. Um yeah. but you know like there's no reason to believe that this team can't keep their head above water again. Now, like I know Serge Ibaka was having a little bit of a rough patch when he came back from the injury but now he's sort of like in his groove. Like yeah. that that elbow jump shot is falling with reliability. Um he's being aggressive under the boards. It doesn't seem like the the ankle injury is something that he's, you know, even hindered by. And you know, our R.H.J. proved before that he's an adequate body off the bench, and he is aggressive, and he is willing to play. Hell, man, last night he hit a three. It's the ugliest three-point shot I've ever seen, but yeah, he, he hit it. Um, oh, yeah. You know, Terrence Davis, I'm sure, will be able to step up. Malcolm Miller, as you mentioned. Um, maybe he's going to get his own. He didn't play too well last night. He did play almost 14 minutes. But, yeah. you know, the one guy that I do worry about here is Chris Boucher, and that's because, like, when we touched on it on the last episode, um, he bites at a lot of pump fakes. A lot of mm-hmm. pump fakes. And he's going to get into early foul trouble uh, pretty frequently. And I don't know that that type of undisciplined behavior is going to be, you know, productive for this team when they're lacking big men mm-hmm. off the bench.
0: Yeah, and I think, I think this stretch of games is really going to show Raptor fans just how important a guy like Marcus Saul is. Um, I joke about this on my um, on my podcast with Kevin that with a guy like Jameis Winston, for example, you just look at his box score and you know exactly what type of game Jameis Winston had without even watching. Yeah. But with guys like Kyle Lowry or Marcus Saul you look at the, their box score and you, there's so much that they do on the court that doesn't show up on a box score. Like you look at Kyle Lowry's game, he doesn't have to shoot the ball to be effective. Same with Marcus Saul. A lot of the stuff that the Raptors do through Marcus Gasol just doesn't go up on the box score and just and people don't really notice it. But now with him gone and Chris Boucher having to fill that void, I mean, the Raptors uh, Raptor fans are going to notice just how important a guy like Gasol is.
1: Yeah, you know, this calls back to a lot of the things we were speculating in the beginning of the season, or rather in the preseason where you're talking about like who's the the most likely raptor to be traded at the deadline and i think the agreement was surge um that's certainly not going to happen i know a lot of people had chatter of kyle lowry being traded i don't think that's going to happen either and i don't think that's actually a good idea at all um so like you know having said that with these injuries occurring it's even though I'm confident that the Raptors are going to be able to still compete, I don't know that they're going to be able to compete at a high level that we've been seeing uh, with them as a full squad, as few and far between as those games have been. Do you see, you know, February isn't that far away. Like, it's it's less than two, well, it's a little bit more rather than two months away. If these injuries are extended, and, you know, the only timetable that we got about the three injuries— was, quote-unquote, an extended absence. That I don't know how long that's going to be. Um, you know, hamstring injuries could be tricky. You know, you already brought up Jameis Winston, so sticking to the football aspect, sure. Adam, Thielen, Adam Thielen was gone for a hamstring injury for like a good six, seven games. And that's six, seven weeks, so we're talking about almost two months Adam Thielen missed time for the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. We don't know how bad this injury to Marcus Hall hamstring was, and if it's like a two-month absence... Well, like, it's, it's you know, conceivable. That suck. Yeah, yeah, and especially with the lack of big men, and especially with the concerns that I've already laid out with Chris Boucher. So yeah. having said that, I guess what I'm asking you is, do you think that the approach to the trade deadline and, you know, the long-term aspect of this team, in terms of the front office, has shifted as a result of these injuries?
0: Well, I mean, I think you kind of mentioned it. We don't really know the extent of a lot of these injuries. So, I mean a hamstring like you said a hamstring injury can be really tricky because there's different grades of strains. It could be it could be something less serious, it could be something very serious. So I think the Raptors have to figure out just how serious each one of these injuries are, how long these guys are going to sit out for and then based on that they got to put together a plan for the trade deadline. And at this point in time I I mean, we discussed in the offseason, maybe some guys are going to get traded, but I just don't. I think the Raptors are more than likely going to probably stand pat at the, at the deadline. If I had to guess, I don't think there will be any major moves that will happen um, at the deadline, mainly because I don't think the Raptors want to strap themselves up long term with salary. And I just, I just think they're kind of going to see what they have with this roster in the playoffs and then figure it out from there.
1: Yeah, I think that that's pretty much the way it's gonna go about. Like, I I don't know that the Raptors or Masai Ujiri, rather, he's gonna make a a substantial push and reset this lineup in a substantial way. But I do think that you know if he can make incremental changes or incremental improvements, I do think. that that might be likely. Um, But in terms of like a mega push, either direction, in terms of a blow it up or or a complete like all in move, I don't think you're going to see that. And I don't know that that's going to be something that's going to satisfy or dissatisfy Raptors fans. Yes. You know, the East is very good. So if the Raptors are able to run away with this, and I'm not saying the East, I'm saying like during this period of time that those three guys are out, if they're able to keep their head above water and still be within like the third, fourth seed in the East, maybe like you know that that's evidence enough that Masai doesn't have to do anything because when these players come back they're going to be even stronger
0: yeah i mean if they're able to keep their heads above water and maintain like third fourth fifth and kind of be close and within striking distance of second i can see Masai making some some sort of small deal at the deadline he's not going to go out and bring in like a drew holiday but then Someone maybe like J.J. Redick, who still has one more year left on his contract after this year. It's going to keep them flexible for when Giannis becomes a free agent, when everyone else becomes a free agent. So like moves like that I can kind of see, but nothing that's just going to blow everyone out of the water.
1: To wrap a bow on this, we have coming off the bench right now, as I mentioned, R.H.J., Terrence Davis, Malcolm Miller, Chris Boucher. Of those four players, which one do you uh, have your sights set on to have a really solid stretch of games during the absence of these three players?
0: Um, I mean, I I think I I still think Boucher is the guy for now, just because, he, like, there are games that Boucher has, and you're like, oh my god, that's what he's capable of. Just be, you look at the dude, he's athletic, he's long, he's lanky, he can he can block shots, he can rebound, he can. Every now and then, he can step out and hit the three. So I think Boucher's with extra minutes now. He's gonna, he's gonna have some games where you're just like, oh my god, like he could be this guy. But then he's gonna have the other games where he's like, oh my god, he's undisciplined. He has a lot to work on. He's not, he's not strong. So I, I think that's that's really the guy for them right now.
1: Yeah, I, I like I said, I have my a- apprehensions when it comes to Chris Boucher. I think R H uh, J is turning a lot of heads already and he's proving uh, his worth for this team, especially on the defensive end. And, um, you know, it's funny that, you know, we're talking about the lack of big men Mm -hmm. when we talk about rebounds and rebounds have been like a huge point of contention for this team so far this season. R.H.J. is not afraid to crash some boards and really put him back up. He's not afraid of contact. He's not afraid to get dirty. He's not. He's almost like, uh, I, I don't want to say like O.G. Ananobi, but in terms of his fearlessness, he's like O.G. Ananobi, or rather O.G. Yep. Ananobi is like him. So mm-hmm. I do think RHA can really turn some heads even more and be an adequate replacement for someone like Norman Powell or Pascal Siakam moving forward. I'm not saying that he's going to match the production that Pascal Siakam would mm-hmm. you know, otherwise give, but he's definitely yeah. going to be able to uh, be a replacement-level talent that's going to keep this team at least in the conversation.
0: Yeah. No, that, that, that's a fair point. I just think with a guy like him, He's just kind of been doing the same thing all season long. He's just been that reliable presence off the bench. and I don't think that's that's gonna change. I think he found the perfect role for himself. He does all the grit work. He can score a little bit. he can make an ugly three every now and then, but I think <laughs> it's just it's gonna take other guys to really step up because we know what we have with with uh, Hollis Jefferson. We know that he's gonna come in every single game and have between like eight and fourteen points something like that and Play really good defense, crash the boards, do the hustle plays. So it's just going to be about who else can step up on a, nightly ba- base, uh, on a nightly basis. Like will it be Terrence Davis? Will it be Chris Boucher? Will uh, I mean Matt Thomas looks like he's going to return sometime soon because he's already like performing in stage plays. So <laughs> maybe the next step for him is returning to the basketball court. So it's just going to it's going to be interesting to see who steps up other than RHA.
1: Do you think that, you know, the the spurts that we have seen with Terrence Davis, you think that's a sustainable thing? Because as I mentioned yesterday, Patrick McCaw got the nod ahead of Terrence Davis, and I guess for, as I mentioned, good reasons. But Terrence Davis has definitely shown like little spurts that he can hang in the NBA. Do you think that we're going to see production at a higher level? Because last night he only put up eight points, like not that great. He had a turnover. Um, yeah. Do you think that he's going to be a contributor and be more heavily relied on than what we saw in last night's game?
0: Oh yeah, for sure. I think uh, I think a big part of last night was guys like Patrick McCaw just played so well, so you just got to ride those guys out. But Terrence Davis has showed multiple times this season that he is he is like he fits in, that he is able to play on this level. And you, if you look at the Raptors roster, there's not many guys that are as athletic as explosive as terrence davis he has shown that he can he can play against some of some of the better guys in the league like uh, guys think of that game against la and los angeles against the lakers how he was blowing by danny green who almost finished on the all-defensive team last year like terrence davis has he's a toolsy guy he has like he has natural feel for the game and he's just really athletic and i think he I think I think he's earned the trust of, of the organization. So I think because of all the injuries that he's going to get, he's going to get a ton of minutes to just prove what he can do.
1: You know, it's, it's important to note that, you know, I just reminded myself of this too, that a big reason or maybe a, you know, small reason, I'm not sure how you want to measure it, but uh, Terrence Davis got a lot of playing time before because also we forget that Patrick McCaw wasn't playing or wasn't available during yep. Kyle Lowry and Cheserbock and OG and OB's absence as well you know patchum call was also hurt. So now that we have this body to fill in, Terrence Davis his minutes might not be as high as they were during that stretch, but still coming off the bench, I can see him being a contributor and I'm hoping that he's going to produce a little bit more than like 8 points in almost 18 minutes. If he can give you more of like the 12 to 15 range, I think that is more than enough for a guy like Terrence Davis.
0: Sure. But I mean, he made th- three of his four shots, so you'd want maybe to see him be a little more aggressive. But he's just because of how few bodies are there. He's still going to have his eighteen to twenty minutes a game, and I mean, if he's he, if he's more aggressive in a certain night and he's taking more shots and they're going in, then he's going to get closer to the thirty minute mark. It really just depends outside of obviously the guys who are gonna play like the thirty five to forty minutes like Lowry Van Vliet and, and Anobi and the Bacchus. Who who else has the hot hand on that day? Who's like how can Nick Nurse take advantage of certain matchups? And net, certain nights it's gonna be Patrick McCall gets more push. Some some nights it's gonna be Terrence Davis.
1: All right, so to wrap a bow on this, I guess what, you know, we're in agreement that although this looks dire, especially when you have an all star caliber guy like Pascal Siakam go down and Norman Powell, who is, like, as I mentioned, was super hot coming off the, you know, like a bat out of the hell and Marcus trying or finally figuring things out, I don't think this spells disaster for the team moving forward. No. Yes, I do think, like, those games against Boston, those those two games coming up, that's going to be difficult. I'm not saying it's going to be a cakewalk, and I'm not even saying that you're going to see what you saw in that West Coast swing. But what I am saying is I do think this team has the ability to surprise people, especially on the defensive end. So, you know, if people are freaking out, if people are worried about what where this team's going to finish and what that means for the team heading into the deadline, I wouldn't worry quite yet because, you know, Nick Nurse has proven to be more than a sufficient coach. And I think that, you know, given some opportunity and given some, you know, confidence that this team doesn't lack, uh, they should be just fine.
0: Mm -hmm. I completely agree with that.
1: Alright, well, before we take our next break, I do want to mention that today's show is also sponsored by The Athletic. Guys, you should all be familiar with the work and quality that The Athletic provides by now. A subscription-based site for real sports fans. They have local writers that you're already familiar with, like Blake Murphy and Eric Kareen, as well as national writers like Jay Glazer and Michael Lombardi the athletic is setting the standard for sports coverage no ads no pop-ups no clickbait just quality content for real fans get exclusive player profiles deep dives on analytics team power rankings and fantasy sports insights you won't find Anywhere else. Each subscriber gets a personalized feed of stories, live writer Q&As, podcasts, and more. Just download the Athletic app, pick your favorite teams, and the Athletic will begin surfacing all the latest on the players and storylines that matter to you. And we here at the South of the Six Podcast would like to hook you up. Check it out. Get 40% off your yearly subscription by using promo code OVERTIME. All one word. O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. 40% off. Are you kidding me? Why wait? Take advantage of this holiday offer today. Once again, use promo code OVERTIME for your 40% off yearly subscription to The Athletic. We'll be right back. We're going to deep dive into the Christmas Day game and the significance that this has to the Toronto uh, city itself. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. (laughs)
1: All right, Christmas Day. The first Christmas Day game of the holiday and the first Christmas Day game in Toronto. Now, I know this is the second Christmas Day game in Raptors history, but as I mentioned, it's the first time it is being held in the city. Now, Rich, as a Canadian and as well as a basketball fan in general or sports fan in general, what does this kind of opportunity mean
0: to you? Um... It's, it just means that I have something to do on Christmas because, uh, <laughs> because I'm a, I'm Jewish, I guess. <laughs> I'm not doing it. All my friends are like busy with family, and I'm just going to be like, okay, what do I do? Oh, the Raptors play. So this was really big for me. I really appreciate the NBA uh, for looking out for me. Um, I'm happy. Uh, I can't wait.
1: They're filling the, uh, the time slots that you would otherwise use to watch other teams and be like, oh, this yeah. isn't nearly as good
0: yeah, exactly. I don't have to watch the Knicks. <laughs> so that's true. I can't complain. I cannot complain. I'm happy, um, but in
1: terms of like a citywide or a countrywide aspect, you know, I know Raptors fans have. It's this, there's a history of this inferiority complex, or this like you know sense of pessimism that the NBA doesn't respect the Raptors, or the the national media in America here doesn't respect the Raptors. Do you consider this being the first game on Christmas Day to be sort of a turning of the tide in that narrative?
0: Well, f- the way I think about it is nobody in a America- the NBA fans in America, there's no reason why they should care about the Toronto Raptors, you know. We're a completely different country. I mean so, I care. Well, you care, but there's not a lot of Adam Corsairs walking around in That's true. America. That's true. You know, so I, I think I think a lot of Canadian Raptor fans get really upset with how the NBA kind of relegates them, but you gotta think about it in the way in the sense that there are twenty nine teams in the NBA that are in the States those teams are going to be the ones that Americans want to watch on national television. So I, like, I, I believe like the NBA Finals, they didn't draw well in the States because there was a Canadian team in the Finals. Right. It, I, I'm not complaining because I don't really care about the NBA television ratings. I just want the Raptors to win. But I think it's important for us to understand that there's a reason why the NBA isn't pushing teams like the Raptors. If the Raptors are popular in the States, we would be on every channel all the time. But we're not, and there's reason for it. So I think it's important to understand that. But that being said, I'm really pumped for Christmas because (laughs) I'm a big Canadian boy.
1: Do you think that, you know this is a result of this Christmas Day game is a result of merely the Raptors being champions and the NBA needing to have their champions play on Christmas Day. Like, how embarrassing would that be if your reigning champions aren't playing on Christmas Day? Or do you consider it to be that as well as, no, this team is good. This team is exciting. They deserve it. Which one do you lean more towards—the fact that they are champions, or the fact that they deserve it, or is it like an equal combination of both to you? I, I
0: I think it's just because they're reigning champions. You have you have to play you have to have a Raptor game on Christmas Day because they're champions. Yeah, you have you have the champions play every single year on Christmas Day. Like the NBA has to do it, and I I mean they're playing against the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics are a marquee team in America. I. I just think it's just because they're champs. If they weren't champs, I don't think there would have been a Christmas day game for the Raptors.
1: If you do a deep dive onto real GM um, on their Twitter or on their website, and you like search in there on their website, you know, browser, there's this article that pops up that states that a lot of TV execs, like for ESPN and whatnot, did not want the Raptors to play. Mm-hmm. Because of the the ratings issue, because of the commercials issues, yeah. um, as we all know, the American media, no American television station gets the the ratings revenue that are broadcasted in Canada. That's all an exclusive Canadian revenue stream. Um, yeah, you know, and, and there was a I, I forget the guy's name, but the head of the media relations in the NBA actually stood up for the Raptors. And said, Mm -hmm. like, no, like, this is why wouldn't we have the defending champions play? Why wouldn't we have they're also an exciting team? Now, look, a lot of that could be lip service, as you said, and I'm sure a lot of it is. Um, And that's not to take anything away from the Raptors as a team. I do consider them exciting. I do consider them to be like uh, an under the radar team that, you know, much of the American media doesn't pay attention to. But this is coming from a guy that is a Raptors fan in America. So I'm always thirsty for more content. So, like, it it does surprise me that you have a guy pretty much high up in the NBA standing up for the Raptors. So I guess I wonder, you know, if this is legitimate, if we do consider the Raptors to be an exciting team, what are the chances that we see an appearance for the Raptors on Christmas Day on just a semi-regular basis in the future?
0: I mean, I, I don't really see it. I don't. Just based on that entire story, that only one dude stood up for the Raptors. <laughs> that, like he's, he sounds like a great human being, and I'd love to share a beer with him on Christmas if he's not doing anything. But I just I think this is just a one off. If the Raptors win another championship, they'll play on Christmas Day. If they don't, then they won't. But that being said, I I also think Christmas Day is a little overblown. Like why is I, I never understood why it's such a big deal whether or not we do play on Christmas Day. Don't don't people want to spend time with their families on Christmas? I mean Like I know it's I know it's a lot a lot to do with like Raptor fans just wanting respect from the American media, but we gotta get over that at some point and just use Christmas to spend time with our families. The the Raptors are gonna play eighty two games. Whether it's one of them comes on Christmas or not. You know?
1: Yeah, but you figure twenty five years or, or before this year, 24 years of watching other teams on Christmas or not watching basketball on Christmas, you kind of get thirsty for at least a, another game. Like I mentioned, this happened once before and it didn't end well for the Raptors. So like maybe this time, you know, given the injuries, it might not again. But uh, this is something to, to. Uh, I don't know. I, I do think that it is a matter of Raptors fans being thirsty for respect more than just being like, oh, I want to see my team on Christmas because it's Christmas. You know, you're right. Like a lot of people are busy on Christmas. A lot of people have other shit to do. But I do think, like, this is in the perfect sweet spot of 12 yeah. noon. Like, it's kind of in that purgatory period of time where you're not really, yeah. you're done with the gift aspect, and you're just kind of waiting for people to show up, so you're just sitting and doing nothing
0: anyway. Mm-hmm. No, I completely understand. Um, I, and I also understand that this is more so about the respect than the Christmas game itself. But
1: Are you I, I'll be watching. All right, are you bummed that they're not uh they kind of put a bullet in the aspect of the Christmas Day jerseys, like they don't Nike apparently doesn't do them anymore and the Raptors are going to come out in their city jerseys because for me something like on Christmas, I always used to like the Christmas Day jerseys just having that that yeah. extra, you know, item to spend money on, I guess. But, like, now that the Raptors finally have a Christmas Day game, they're no longer doing the jerseys. And I think they actually stopped it last year. So I just find it weird that they're going to be wearing black and gold on their first Christmas
0: Day game in Toronto. Oh, yeah, that's just poo. Like, you, I, I love the Christmas jerseys. It just has, like, a different feel to it when you watch these games. So not a big fan of it, but, I mean, I like the black and gold. <laughs>
1: I mean, uh, I was listening to that to Wrap, and Andre has actually made a good point that the NBA missed kind of an opportunity here to have the Raptors rock green, I mean, rock red, and their Celtics rock green, to have, it like, the, you know, it's a kickoff Christmas Day game, so, like, why wouldn't you want your, your teams to wear a red and green on Christmas?
0: If, if anything, I feel like the NBA could really capitalize having a team like the Raptors play on Christmas Day. I don't know what the tv ratings are on christmas day for certain games but the nba could really use this opportunity to just like spotlight a team that a lot of people in the states just don't watch right um so
1: i mean this these injuries you know calling it back to that have you know definitely come at the worst possible time because i don't think any of the three of gasol um Powell and Siakam are going to be able to, you know, be well enough to make their return then. So the Raptors are certainly going to be limited. But as far as I know, uh, Cantor, not that it's a huge deal, but Cantor is probably not going to play for the Celtics on Christmas Day. But they still have an adequate starting five there. And the Raptors did, you know, lose their first meeting against them earlier this year. So. You know, it's not the greatest and most ideal situation for the Raptors and their fans to be experiencing, you know, their team playing on Christmas Day. But at least you get to see them, right? At least you get the opportunity for them to be showcased in front of, like, basically all of North America at this point on yeah. Christmas Day.
0: Yeah, and if the Raptors win that game, I mean, that that would be a pretty big statement.
1: Oh, yeah, that's true. I didn't even think of that. Like, I, I, I know I don't want to jump too much ahead, but, you know, the Boston Celtics are playing, you know, Fairly well at this point, and probably even more than fairly well. And you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are obviously taking the next step here. And so, it's it's not the the greatest situation to be walking into. But stranger things have happened, right? And for the Raptors to take this on Christmas Day game, what kind of a storyline would that create for the the American media here?
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, Terrence Davis beat the Los Angeles Lakers on the road. So, <laughs> I mean, you never you never really know what what will happen. And I think. The Raptors, as a team, um, when healthy at least, they're pretty. In my mind, they're kind of equivalent to what the Celtics are. Like they're to me, they're just like on the same level in terms of just how good they are. So, and depending on depending on what happens on any night, the Raptors could could shock the world.
1: Yeah, you know, if Serge Ibaka comes out swinging and then Kyle Lowry gets into his fu mode and just launches a bunch of fuck it buckets and, you know, be Kyle Lowry about it. Um, I did think it You're right. And like this, this is a strong defensive team and you know, it, what a Christmas gift that would be to Raptors fans if they were able to pull this off
0: and never underestimate the heart of a champion. Patrick McComb might blow up. <laughs> you never know.
1: You never know. All right. Well, that being said, uh, you know, we'll, we'll take our final break, but I do want to, uh, to mention that this is, for me as a Raptors fan, this is something that I've been, you know, looking forward to. This, I, I think I speak for all Raptors fans that, you know, although, like, I do want to let go of the inferiority complex when it comes to being a Raptors fan, I do value this, this opportunity. And I do value being able to watch this team on Christmas Day. It's like, even if it's just, like, I do think people will find that, you know, during the the muck of everything that happens on Christmas and you're so busy, you're not going to be able to get the full opportunity, perhaps, to sit down and enjoy the game as you otherwise would. So maybe after this, you'll be like, oh, man, Christmas Day game is kind of not worth it because I can't fully enjoy it as it is. So, you know, if if that's the case, then awesome. We've learned something, but... You know, at the same time, I do appreciate the opportunity, and I know that sounds like I'm grumbling at the feet of Adam Silver here, but, you know, whatever, it's 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 cool to see them play on Christmas Day.
0: Yeah, and let's be honest, we can say whatever we want, but this is the biggest moment of our lives. <laughs> minus the championship. Minus the championship, minus, like, any kid, <laughs> like, you have a kid, so I guess that's important, too, but this is it. This Put is it my way. moment.
1: This is the biggest moment of our lives in December 2019. Fair. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, having said that, we'll take our last break and we'll come back with the two sweet moment of the week. Hang tight.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. It's time for the two sweet moment of the week here on the South of the Six Podcast.
1: So last night against Washington, oh man, I was tweeting out my two sweet moment of the week because it was just perfect. Perfect. So everyone... No, 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 that follows me on Twitter and are listening to the show. You probably already know mine. So, Rich, my Christmas gift to you. I'm going to let you take the floor first. What was your two-sweet moment of the week?
0: Well, I mean, there's there's a couple that I can think of. Um, one before everyone on the Raptors died, there was that <laughs> play um, with Pascal Siakam and Norman Powell on, on that windmill dunk on the alley Oh, yeah. That was big. Was that the, was, it, was that this week or was that last week? No,
1: that was against Cleveland this past week.
0: There we go. That, I I'd go with that one.
1: All right, all right. That yeah, Norman Powell got super high up on that one. That was yeah. pretty
0: dope. Or or literally everything that Serge Ibaka did last night.
1: That's what I'm saying. All right, so last night in the second quarter of the Wizards game, Serge had a huge block that pretty much fell into the hands of Fred VanVleet. Freddie pushes us up for a fast break and lands a nice outlet blast to OG for a dunk. It was beautiful. It was th- just too sweet for me.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree.
1: Yeah, you see this teamwork aspect that the team, you know, sort of exudes there and seeing uh, Fred VanVleet fall back into a groove and being part of that was great. Yeah. And, you know, OG has this tendency... To just, when he goes on these dunks, it seems like he's going to overrun the rim, and he jumps at the last possible moment and just hangs there for a good, like, two, three seconds.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of crazy how good this team's chemistry is, just watching them play. Their their chemistry is so good, they even all get injured at the same time. (laughs) Ah, they don't
1: want to leave you hanging. They don't want to leave anybody behind. If someone's going to get injured, they're going to get injured with you.
0: I love it. Oh, yeah.
1: All right, um, let's uh, let's wrap the show up with some predictions, and uh, I'll get you out of here. So we got three games lined up: Sunday versus Dallas, Monday at Indiana, and then the Christmas Day game that we all been, have been waiting for against Boston in Toronto. Let's start with Dallas. Like I know, Luca is probably not going to be playing this game, but Dallas is still seven of their last ten out as of this recording on Saturday afternoon. They're at home in Toronto still, but as I mentioned, this is the first night of a back-to-back with travel in between. They still have the injuries that we've been talking about ad nauseum throughout this entire show.
0: What do you think the outcome of this one's going to be? Um, I might be a little bit of a homer, but I'm going to go with the Raptors. I just don't think I don't think Dallas is going to sweep the regular season series. No, Luka Doncic. That's really really big. If the Raptors find a way. To contain Chris Hobbs Brzegus, who has been playing really well after a slow start to the season, I think the Raptors can pull it out, especially on at home. Yeah, I'm
1: leaning towards a W two because you know Luca has just been out of this world this year, and the the injury is definitely devastating to the to the Mavs here. But you know, having. You, I guess that with what we saw last night, even though the defense wasn't really there in the fourth quarter, and that, as I mentioned, they, they did get gas. The starting unit did get kind of gas. I do think that they're going to be able to keep up with this. And I know Chris Dapps, has been a beast, and I, I just think that Serge Ibaka can at least, I don't want to say contain him, but he can at least like level him off a little bit. Um, sure. So I do think that this is going to be a W, for the Raptors and like, let's not also forget this is the, going to be the return of Delon, Wright In Toronto to not get a championship ring. Unfortunately. Oh geez.
0: <laughs> so it's a Delon, Wright Revenge game too. It
1: could be, it could oh,
0: be. Oh God. Oh God. Okay.
1: I wonder if he's going to get a, a
0: video. Well, that would be cool. That would be pretty cool. of like his two highlights as a Raptor.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, just, just those two. And it's like nice 22nd video. Um, All right. I mean, uh, why not? Yeah. I mean, they did it for Lou Williams, and he's been gone for a while. But they didn't do it for Patrick Patterson.
0: Oh, God. Yeah. Poor guy. Whatever. All right, so uh, yep.
1: next day, Monday, travel to Indiana. Indiana is eight of their last ten. This is a back-to-back, so having said that, I'm going to call this one a loss. What do you think?
0: Um, I'm right there with you. I think, I don't think they're going to beat Indiana on a back-to-back, especially. Indiana is Indiana's playing really good basketball of late. They have a lot of a lot of good pieces, even without Victor Oladipo. Um, I think Indiana's a really solid team that a lot of people are, again, sleeping on. I think Indiana wins that game.
1: All right, and then, you know, coming off a loss, a predicted loss, rather, we're going to head back to Toronto for Christmas Day. We already talked about the gravity of all this. We already talked about what this means to the fan base. We already talked about how limited this team is and how well Boston has been playing. Boston, as well as seven of their last 10, I believe they are second in the Eastern Conference as this uh, as of this moment. Um but I'm going to give the Raptors the Christmas Day magic. I'm not going to I'm not going to turn heel here and have them lose on Christmas Day. If you want to do that, that's fine, but I'm calling this one a dub.
0: Um I am going to say this. The Raptors play the Celtics in back-to-back games and I think they're going to split that. Um so, uh, I'm I'm just going to say that the Raptors won on Christmas Day because I'll be watching and I want a Christmas present. But I'm pretty certain that they're going to lose one of those two games against the Celtics. Hopefully they lose the second one.
1: Usually when the Raptors play the Celtics, the home team wins. And even without like full health, somehow the Raptors are able to, to edge out a victory. So, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think they're going to do it.
0: And the Raptors have to keep their uh, win- home win streak against division rivals alive.
1: They have to. That's right. Yep.
0: We have no choice.
1: All right, Rich. Well, then we are looking at a uh, 2 and one week or heading into the middle of next week, rather. I think that's fair given the injuries. I think, you know, if you told me with these injuries that the Raptors would be able to keep their head above water in this aspect, especially against these three teams, uh, I'd be more than satisfied with that. Yep.
0: I'll live with it.
1: Yeah. I'll take it. All right. Well, having said that, that's going to do it for today. Um, before we close up i just wanted to wish everybody to ha- make sure they have a great holiday be safe uh stay off the roads if you're too drunk but i encourage you to enjoy the holidays as you you know normally would um be careful out there hopefully you're spending it all with family and loved ones and you know you're 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 doing it right and uh rich that goes for you whatever you're doing even though you said you're staying home on christmas to watch the raptors i hope uh you're drinking the best of beers doing so so Having said that, dude, the floor is yours. You know what to do. Promote any and everything you got going on. Go go for it.
0: For sure. Well, um, first off, over the past few weeks, I've become a really big Moscato guy. Oh, there you go. That's some sweet wine. Yeah. I'm just getting on my Nicki Minaj shit, so I've been (laughs) drinking a lot of of Moscato lately. Um, But other than that, um, ball and roll, pick and pod, Kevin and I just released a new episode the other day check that out you can find me on twitter at at richard burks got a lot of things going on just quit one job i'm about to move into a second job have to keep that under wraps for now so lots of exciting stuff going on in my life Um, but yeah go check out the ball and roll pick and pod and adam thank you again for having me on your pod i love it
1: no worries, dude. Always anytime you want to hop on, you always have a seat and uh, I'll be the one to break the news that Rich got a job as the assistant general manager for the Toronto Raptors. So uh, you know, guy keep that under the wraps, please. It's it's a huge huge secret, right?
0: Oh, I I appreciate that, but <laughs> you kind of spoiled everything.
1: <laughs> I kid, I kid. Um All right, dude, uh, before we head out, um I do want to ask you because I as you know, am a Buffalo Bills fan. Are the Bills winning against the Patriots today?
0: I have the Bills plus
1: 6.5. That's it. Let's go. Let's go. That would be a huge Christmas gift for me. So uh, let's go, I'll Bills. Be happy. Yeah, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Let's go, Bills. Let's go, Raptors. Everyone have a great holiday. All the links will uh, be in the description of the show of everything uh, pick and pod and ball and roll. Rich, thank you for popping on, man. Take care.
0: You got it.